Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am a discipleship coach, I'm an author, and I get the privilege of coming over here a few times a year to my second church home, and I love getting to come over and be with you, and it's real special to be here on, on Mother's Day. Um, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, for anyone who God has placed in you the desire to be a mother, and, and it just hasn't happened yet, happy Mother's Day to you. My wife and I, we are blessed to have a 17-year-old daughter, and for the first First time this year, she took it upon herself to, to hop in the car and she went down to the store and got her mom and grandmother a, a card and, and a little gift. And, and I was so proud, even though the card was still on the kitchen table unsigned this morning, I am sure. I am sure that got worked out before they, they headed to church, but I know that being a mother has been a great joy uh, for, for my wife. But as Anthony alluded to, we've also been on the other side of this. There were four and a half years when, uh, when we made the intention that we wanted to be parents that it just wasn't happening. And it seems when that happens, everybody around you is popping out babies and, and you are not. And uh, multiple doctors said my wife was just never going to have a, a baby for whatever medical reasons that I will not share with you. And I, I watched her curled up on the couch crying. So I know that there's grief involved in this too. And I just mention this for, for one reason, that the, the Bible tells us as the body that we are to celebrate with those who are celebrating, but we're also to grieve with those who are grieving. And so I just invite you to have the eyes of awareness for those around you. If you know somebody in your life and, and maybe they're not here at church today because it is painful, just to give them a phone call and let them know you're thinking of them and that you're praying for them and you, have, you, you hope for, for the best for them because that's what the body does. That works, uh, that works both ways. But Mother's Day is really a great idea because we are a forgetful, uh, a forgetful species. We forget the significance of, of people in our lives and relationships, and, and we need reminders. And so despite all the commercial implications and pressures from flower companies and greeting card companies, it is really beneficial to have a day like, like Mother's Day uh, to, to just note the importance of the, of the role of motherhood. And in fact, this was God's idea. So uh, we, we might have a day marked on the calendar, but very early in the, in the history of mankind, God had already deemed that, that, that Mother's Day was important. In fact, in the top 10 list that God gave to Moses to give to, to give to his people, the first two commandments are about identity. They're about who we are uh, in God and the significance of that. The next two commandments are about our relationship with God and how we are uh, in some general ways supposed to live that out. But the next six commandments are all about our relationships. And first among those is this, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So for us, this idea of honor, it's a little bit clouded. It's a little bit murky because we live in a broken world and among broken people. So just notice that this idea to honor your father and your mother does not have any restrictions placed upon it. It doesn't say honor good mothers. It doesn't say honor mothers when things work out for you. And this is really a tough teaching. 
right? So uh, I, I am of the awareness that not every mother is a good mother. I know that some people suffer abuse or neglect or the, 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 an, absentee, uh, an absentee parent. So what does it mean to honor our mother in that situation? As well as what does it mean to honor our mother when we had a present, good, caring, nurturing, loving mother that was part of our lives. What does this idea of honoring means? So just want to lead off with if, if your experience with your mother was not all you had hoped for, just know that God knows that. God grieves for the brokenness of this world. Jesus wept for the hurts uh, that, that he saw going on uh, around him. But also know that in God's economy, nothing is wasted. It's the person who brought you into this world helped shape you. It helps shape your pursuit and your need and your quest for God and how you are ultimately going to be able to, to minister to others. So whatever your experience, it doesn't go unnoticed and it doesn't go wasted. And, and at the bottom line, for some, honoring your mother might just be a matter of forgiving might just be a matter of making peace that, that it, you did not get what you expected or hoped for or what other people have, and forgiving. And I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this idea of forgiveness because it's a huge topic, but forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. Okay? Forgiving doesn't mean that if there are some unhealthy behaviors that you just normalize that and, and move on. But what forgiving does mean is releasing somebody from their debt means not being defined by that broken relationship and letting, it, and letting it rule your entire life. And this is a difficult teaching, and it's tough. And, and, and just as an aside, if you are here and that, that suits you and that fits you, just know that that's what pastoring is all about. That's the kind of thing Anthony wants to hear about and pray about. Uh, you can talk to me but talk to somebody about what it means to forgive and to live that out as a, as a disciple of Christ. But for all of us, honoring our, our mother also means remembering that this is the person that God used to bring you into the world. And there's, there's a respect that is inherent in that, in that relationship. And I think it's significant that God starts the, the, the first of the, the last six commandments about relationships with the idea of honoring uh, our father and our mother, our, our parents. And, and I feel like the reason for this is because it's, it's usually the people that we are closest to that are subject to our, our contempt so easily. Right? We know them best, so it's easy to look at them with a, with a skeptical or a scornful eye, th thinking things, maybe I could, do this, I could do this better. Or maybe it's time for you to step aside, or I don't really need you. When, when the truth is that we, we do need our support system, we do need to be reminded of the significance of the, the roles of the, of the people who, who invest so much in, in shaping us. And, and in fact, uh, later in the New Testament, the, the, the disciple John says, if, if we don't love people that we can see, then we can't claim to love God that we don't see. So that applies to parents. Parents are people. And so the, the reality is we are in, interconnected. And honoring means that we live aware that there is a special standing of this person in, in our life. And so we need awareness. 
one of the one of the things that people need to be aware of as, as you're following Jesus and that you're you're a disciple is that that your mother, whoever it is, is a broken image bearer and somebody that's deserving of mercy and deserving of forgiveness and deserving of compassion. You don't you don't necessarily know all that that your mother went through previously and what impacts her behaviors and her decisions and, and how that gets transferred to you. Another reason for, for this command to honor our, our mother is because at, at, at heart, we are all rebellious. We are rebellious creatures and we do not have a, a great standing for, for authority. And we, we try to thumb our nose at it at every possible uh, turn. And this relationship with our mother, that's part of it. And, and I think God looks at our relationship with our, our father and mother as a reflection of how we view him, of how we view the authority in our life and how we, how we surrender and submit and obey and all of these things and how that comes to us. That part of that is reflected in, in our relationship with our mother and our father. And the interesting thing about this, the command, this, this fifth commandment, is that it is a commandment that has a promise attached to it. When God delivered this to the Israelites, the promise was so that you may live long in the land your Lord, uh, the, the Lord your God is giving to you. And when Paul reiterated this, when he was writing to the, to the Ephesians, he even generalized this. He made this applicable to, to all believers, and he said so that, so that your life on earth will, will go well. And what does that mean? Why does this have a promise to it? I mean, I just think that's really, really interesting when you read the list of commandments. And, and I think it's for, for freedom. When we honor our mothers, we have freedom. Instead of living in, in rejection or developing resentment or anxiety or instead of idolizing this person that is our life, because all of those things consume us. All of those things drag us down a path that, that walks us farther and farther and farther away from, from God and his image and, and the, the purpose and plans he has for our life. Instead, we get freedom. And, and a, living a good life requires being grateful for who we are, who God made us to be, how he designed us and how he's shaping us. And a huge part of that is, is our mother's. You know, we can't, we can't be grateful for who we are if we're not grateful at some level for our parents. And, and loving God is intermingled with our ability to love ourselves, to view ourselves as created and significant and special because of who we are uh, in Christ. And so I don't want us to confuse this idea of honoring with, with idolizing or living to please another person because those, are, those are, are, are broken ways to see this idea of honoring. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to look in, in the Bible. Is there an example of, uh, of motherhood that, that I can lift up and say, this is the way it should be done, right? If you, if you do mothering this way, then these are the great kids that you're going to get. And, and unfortunately, no. There is, there's no such thing. And, you know, we, we tend to read the Bible and we want to perfect the characters in the Bible. And we just want that example that if I, if I follow this pattern, things are, that, that are going to work out. But, but the Bible is the story of broken people and the perfect God who is pursuing them. So I had to find a, a broken example that we can learn from. And so as we read earlier, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 20. And it's going to be on the screen if you're pulling it up on your phone. And in Matthew chapter 20, we are going to see the mother of two of Jesus' closest disciples. 
Okay, along with Peter, these two guys form the, the, the closest inner circle that Jesus had, the ones that he took away on special assignment and showed special, special things to. And so this is the mother of Zebedee's sons. So in Matthew chapter 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Wow. So she didn't really want a whole lot, right? Just give my sons the two uh, most significant positions of authority in your kingdom and we'll call it a day and I'm going to go home a happy woman. And what makes this even, even more a significant request is just in the previous paragraph, if you look up in Matthew 20, Jesus had revealed to his disciples for the third time that he was, he was on his way to die and that he was going to be put to death and he was going to be raised back to life. And the disciples still were not comprehending this. And so right on the, no longer are the words out in the air, then, then the, the sons of Zebedee's mother is coming up and saying, I need something for, for you. Last year, I used this passage as it's related in Mark, and I had a talk about uh, Jesus' question, what do you want me to do for you? It's part of the Essential Questions series. It's, uh, it's online if you're interested in looking at it. And what, what I look there is how we tend to approach Jesus. And we tend to approach Jesus with selfish motives, and we want uh, him to build up uh, things in us that he's trying to tear down. But what I want to focus on today is, is the mother, not, not James and John. And, and, and she is bold. I mean, she's going right up to Jesus. She's, she's pushing the disciples to the, so, the side, and she, in, in everybody's hearing, saying, I want my sons to have the, the preeminent place in, in your kingdom. And the truth is, she was probably put up to it by her sons, but notice she was traveling with them. She was a regular part of this group. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't unknown, and we'll see a little later that even up to the point of Jesus' death and his resurrection, uh, that uh, this woman, and her name is Salome, that she, wa that she was with them. Mark 15, verse 40, tells us what her name is. And so despite the selfishness of what, what she's doing, there's a couple of things that I want to pull out here to encourage uh, the, the mothers or mothers-to-be uh, that, that we have. So the first thing is, notice that Salome, she wants good things for her children. Even though these are, these are men and they're making their own decisions, she wants good things. And it is not wrong to want good things for, for your kids. In fact, I think each generation is supposed to stand on the shoulders of the one before. We're supposed to give good things. We're supposed to give good gifts to, to our children. This is how God treats us and gives us uh, good gifts. I know in my life, my mom, she, uh, and she's right here, so, you know, if you don't want to be embarrassed, you can put your, put your fingers in your ears. I know that she sacrificed her summers working to stay home with, with me and my sister, right? So this was something that interrupted the whole flow of her year and pre prevented her from, from walking up the, the corporate ladder and achieving uh, financial and work success. And, and she threw that to the side to, to invest in, in her kids. And even beyond that, she ran the budget in the house, and she ran a, a tight budget. And the reason for that is my mom and dad didn't go to college, 
and it was a goal of theirs that my sister and I would go to college. They wanted good things for us, and that is definitely a, a great desire of a mother. And, and that desire never leaves, even when your kids get, get older. I know that. My daughter's 17, and, and I still want good things for her, and I know that in 10 years I'm still going to want good things for her. But the problem is when that desire gets corrupted. And we want those good things for our children because we want them to reflect on us. Right? We want them to be successful in some capacity so that I am the parent of a successful child. And, and it, there's, it's really easy to begin to live your life through your kids. And that's, that's one of the things that you learn in, in parenting. You know, God puts significant relationships in our life to show us different aspects of how self-centered we are. In marriage, we learn that. In parenting, we learn that. With our family relationships, we learn that. We learn how focused on ourselves uh, that we are. And, and so what's going on here is that I don't tell you this for, to, to build up some sense of shame or worthlessness. I tell you this because God uses this for our sanctification for our growing closer to Jesus, for our letting go of, of, of the things that we are clinging to so we can grab on to more of Jesus. So she wants good things for her sons. And the second thing that you notice, and this is a, a hugely positive thing, Salome falls at the feet of Jesus. Right? She knows where to go, and that is a great thing. And so a godly mother, she points her children in, in the direction of the kingdom. So this is, this is Salome's focus. She is walking with Jesus, and so when she makes a request, she goes and she kneels before Jesus. Great. It doesn't matter that the, the request is self-focused. Jesus is going to take responsibility for that in just a minute, but she's going to the right place. And so Jesus, he knows what's in her heart. He knows what's in your heart, my heart, your, your mother's heart, your, your children's hearts. Jesus knows, but he still invites her to share. Or he gives her a safe space to come before him, and he just says, what, what can I do for you? And, and he's going to use this as a mirror to, to show her the, the, the wrong motivation of her right desire. She, she has a right desire, good things for her sons, wrong motivation. And so will she, like all of us, listen to what Jesus says? Right? When, when, when our prayers are not answered, when we don't get the things that, that we want, do, do we listen to that? Do we, we use that to, to, as direction for the path that God, God wants us on? And so, if you're a mom, just ask you, are you pointing your children to the kingdom through your words and through your actions? I'm not saying are you doing this perfectly, but do they see you striving to be more like Christ? Do they see you giving up uh, other aspects of yourself so you can selflessly be walking in the kingdom and following Jesus? Are your kids the subject of your continual prayers because you know that, that God loves your kids more than, more than you do? See, Salome shows that it doesn't matter what age your children are. It doesn't matter what mistakes you may have made in your past, that when you come before Jesus, you're in the right place. And that leads to this, that God uses godly mothers despite their brokenness. And, and this might just be 
the thing that you need to hear if, if you're a mom in here, no matter how old your, your kids are. You might need the encouragement that in this quest to measure up and how we, how we walk this, this broken path, that God uses that. And so you might have the question, am I messing up my kids? And I just want to encourage you this morning. Yes, you are. No matter what, no matter what your best efforts are, you are doing things and your kids are interpreting things and that maybe they're taking them the wrong way, maybe they're taking them the, the right way. You're not going to be a perfect parent. It's impossible. You're, it's, it's going to, the kids are going to get hurt when you're not around. Okay, they're going to have a scuffle with another kid. They're going to they're going to trip and they're going to they're going to skin their knee. You can't be there to solve all their problems. It's just the way of this broken world. So you have to release yourself of that obligation to try to be a perfect parent. And whatever it is, you might think you're acting perfectly. You might think you're acting in their best interest, but you really might just be passing on the brokenness that that you received. That's okay. God knows. God's going to use it. And so this is a selfish request by, by Salome. Maybe she saw that James and John were, were among the three that Jesus took up on the mountain and was transfigured in front of. Uh, maybe she saw that Jesus called them uh, specifically to go off and be alone with him to, to, to pray. And so for whatever reason, she felt comfortable in making this gigantic request uh, of Jesus and asking for this position uh, of authority. But notice Jesus' response. He doesn't offer shame. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't demean her. He doesn't take away her, her worth and her standing. He, he gives comfort. He gives, he gives compassion. Grace does not disappear when you're a mother. Grace is in full effect. We live in a state of grace in any role that, that we are. And so here's how Jesus responds, continuing in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And we can. So now the sons, they get all full of themselves, probably shove mom out, of the si out to the side. We can, they answered, even though we couldn't ask you the question in the first place. And so Jesus says to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for by my Father. So Jesus doesn't really rebuke her. What he, what he says is he's asking her to reflect on her question. He says, you're asking because you still don't get it. You know, the last thing I said to everybody was that I have to die, I have to sacrifice, and now you're asking for a position of, of power and authority. So he's asking, have you thought this through? Do you know what your motives are and what it is you're asking? And so Salome was trying to steer her boys down a path for which they were not meant. She was following Jesus and, and she was trying to grab onto more. And this is really the big thing we have to learn in all of our discipleship, is that following Jesus is not grabbing onto more stuff. 
not grabbing on to more affirmation or more power or status or money or whatever it is that gets in your way of, of following God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. What Jesus asks us to do is let go of more so that we can grab on to more of him. And so a godly mother lets her children walk the path that God has for them. A godly mother, a mother in Christ, a mother trying to be obedient to what, what God has for her, trusts God. Trusts that God has the best interests of, of her kid. Trusts that the God who, who had the care to knit this child in the womb is going to do everything in his power to draw, draw her children to himself. And this destiny that God has written for James and John, this is not necessarily a destiny that a mother would draw up for her kids. Right? They're, they're following this, this teacher, and he is going to die, and he's talking about being raised on the, the third day. And then when, when he is, what ends up happening, James, if I'm remembering my history right, James is the first disciple to be martyred. John gets exiled and he lives a life of loneliness and uh, he may or may not have been put into a, to boiling oil and survived. I mean, that's quite, the, that's quite the, the way to finish out your days. That's definitely not how a mother would have drawn it up. But that's what she has to accept as a godly mom to let her children walk the path God has designed for them. That's part of the, the nurturing part of motherhood. That is, that is part of releasing the, the burden of how our children are going to turn out and putting that in God's hand. And so there's one more thing I want to point out about Salome. And that is, we see that this rebuke by Jesus, it could have been taken hard. She could have taken it as, oh, I'm, clearly I'm worthless or made a mistake. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run away. When we turn to Matthew chapter 27, okay, this, is, this is as Jesus is being crucified. It says, many women were there. So while the disciples all ran away, while the disciples all abandoned Jesus, we've got many women there, and they were watching the crucifixion from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Salome was right there. If you, if you read uh, Mark's narrative of, of uh, the empty tomb, Salome was one of the women that was going to prepare, prepare Jesus' body. She was faithful. Even when the disciples ran, ran away, she was living in faithfulness. She was walking it out the best that she could. She was living a life of repentance. She didn't let her quest for, for power and the mistake she made uh, interrupt the fact that she was, she was following. And she chose humbly serving Jesus, following him to his, to his death above other options. And so the, the last bit of encouragement for moms today is a godly mother lives a life of repentance and humility. And this is really, this is all of us, right? All of us as disciples, this is what we're supposed to step into. We're supposed to step into letting go and repenting. We're supposed to not consider ourselves uh, more than other people. That's, that's humility. And that's the example Jesus left for us. 
Jesus lived the life of humility. He, he left heaven, he clothed himself uh, in human skin, and he walked among us, and he, he, he was led to death, even though he had all the power in the, the universe to, to not do that. But he, he surrendered to that on our account. So it's never too late. If you're a mom here and your kids are older, it's never too late to start demonstrating repentance and humility and serving your kids and loving them. If you have small kids, it's definitely not too late. Now is the time. Live, give yourself grace and compassion as you, as you are raising your kids. Understand you're going to make mistakes, but it's very healthy for your kids to see you say, I'm sorry, and, and, and repent of those mistakes. Today is a day that we set aside for mothers. Today is a day we set aside to honor. Maybe we forgive. Maybe, we, maybe if you are a mother, it's a day for you to receive the grace that you're longing for. It's, it's a day to, to celebrate. And I just want to quote some words of Paul that are appropriate to this. He says that whatever you do in words or deeds, so however you're going to honor your mother, however you're going to do it in words, however you're going to do it in deeds, do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. So whether you're honoring your mom, whether you're being a mom, those words ring true for us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that nothing that happens in our lives and in this world is overlooked by you. Thank you that nothing in your kingdom goes to waste, that you are always trying to shape us, you're trying to encourage us, you're trying to draw us to you, God. And so thank you for the, the, the specific role that our mothers play in that, the, the role of nurture, the role uh, of love, the role of sacrifice that, that we get demonstrated for us. And I just pray for all the moms here this morning that they feel celebrated by their kids, they feel encouraged, and that they understand that, that, that you love them more than anything. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.